It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 16th, 2017. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you as well and uh, glad you're on the other end of the line tonight. If you'd like to comment, we welcome your call at any time, toll-free, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching us on our the Virtual Bible Study page, sign in the chat room with other listeners. If you're watching us on YouTube, send some comments there. We'll monitor those there. If you're on YouTube as well, we'll try and get those comments as well. Lots of different ways you can view us on the program tonight, and hopefully we're getting out there. If not, you'll get it in the podcast. But uh Looking forward to an interesting discussion. It's sort of tonight. like deja vu all over again because we were rushing around here at the last minute trying to get everything working, uh, and uh, I hope I hope we've got everything working. Looks like we do. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you uh, on the program. I'm not seeing tonight. any live video on uh, Facebook. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going there. Um, so well, we need to get that going. <laughs> all right. What's it? Uh, keep going. I've just got a, I've just got our uh, uh, title screen up. Okay. All right, um, you, you keep going, and we'll we'll go from there. Okay. Um, as we've been announcing the last uh, two weeks, and this will be the third week, we have a, a special thing going with the um, College View Church here in Columbia. We're doing something that we call neighborhood Bible studies. Uh, we've conducted these in the past and had good success with them, and we're trying that again uh, this year. Um, we have some very basic Bible lessons that we are sharing. We've got a congregation divided up into geographical groups. And for the last two weeks, we've had uh, an opportunity for people to invite their friends and neighbors to to come and join in what we're simply called neighborhood Bible studies. We've got one more of those this next Monday night coming up. Uh, and uh, what we've done the last two weeks is preview those studies. We're going to preview our final third neighborhood Bible study lesson tonight. But we want to encourage anybody who's anywhere close to Columbia, Tennessee, if you'd like to come and join in a, a small group Bible study, um, please uh, let us know. We'll hook you up with the group nearest to you, and we'd be glad for you to come and participate with us as we simply join together to study from the Word of God. And that's what it is. We're not uh, studying any books, uh, any creeds. We're just studying the Word of God because, um, well, if you listened to us two weeks ago, we talked about how important it is that we study uh, that Word because it is God's inspired word. That's right. The first lesson was about the inspired word of God and how to study it. Last week, we talked about how to establish Bible authority. And this coming Monday night, we're going to talk about a really simple, sometimes people refer to this as a, a first principles kind of lesson. We're going to talk about the plan of salvation. What must one do in order to be saved? You couldn't ask uh, a more important question. We remember uh, the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 said, what must I do to be saved? Right. Most important question that's ever been asked in the history of time. I was watching today a little bit of President Trump's news conference, and people were throwing questions at him, and I suppose they imagined those were earth-shattering questions and the most important of all time. But I tell you, those questions couldn't hold a candle to the question that the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas when he simply said, what must I do to be saved? It is a question of eternal consequence, and uh, it is a question that uh, people have asked throughout the ages. And if we're wise, we'll ask the same question uh, in our time as well. And, and of course, uh, the problem is that people are getting some differing answers on that. Not right. all the answers are the same. You can get as many different answers, basically, as many people who you add. I mean, everyone yeah. you ask, we yeah. get a different answer sometimes. And so we just need to go to the Bible and find out what the Bible says one must do in order to be saved. That makes sense when you connect it with the two lessons previous, the two previous week's discussions about uh, God's Word. Yeah. So that's that's where we're going with our study tonight, and we'd be glad for you to join in. We're, we're trying to broadcast on Facebook, 
Uh, we're trying to link that video on our own pe- web page, as we always have. You should be able to go to our web page at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and you sh- everything there should should look relatively normal. You, sh- you should see the video. You should see the chat room window underneath. Uh, and so if, if that's where you're watching, you're not missing anything on Facebook. But we're also putting this video over on this live video over on the, our, our Facebook page at Virtual Bible Study. Uh, our, our name, uh, uh, Facebook, somebody got our name. Somebody, I think, out in California swiped our name. Swiped it. And so we had to get, we had to go with simply Virtual Bible Study, uh, on Facebook. And you can find us there. And, and the live video, if I'm, if I'm able to detect it all, the live video is going out on live stream as we speak. And you also see it on our website. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567 is the toll-free line. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address. And all those chat windows that you can find, send in your comments there. And we'll you can be comment. Doing our best you to can, monitor. Yeah, you right. can comment uh, on Facebook. We'll try to watch it there. Uh, you can also comment in the chat room. I think Jacob is watching there, and we'll try to pick up all those comments as we go. And Monty is behind the controls tonight, white knuckling it all the way. Mike, Monty, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. How are we looking on that side of things? It's hard to say. Well, <laughs> hold on and well, hope for the best. In addition to trying to get it out in a different. Uh, 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 Media, we're medium rather. We're also using uh, some brand new software, and so we got a lot of we got a lot of things going tonight. So, if we're a little at loose ends, please forgive us for that. But I think we do have just an ultimately important discussion tonight uh, about the plan of salvation. All right. Um, you know, there, sadly, there's a lot. As we said, there's a lot of confusion about the simple question: What must I do to be saved? The confusion is not from God. No, it isn't. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, uh, we have a simple statement. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God yep. did not put out different instructions to different people, telling them different things to do in order to be saved. That's just not the case. In this New Testament time, when the law of Christ went into effect, uh, when he died on the cross, when he rose from the grave, as the gospel began to be preached on the day of Pentecost, the the message of the scripture has been the same for all people of all time, everywhere, ever since then, since the gospel of Christ began to be preached on Pentecost, if you want to be saved, you need to do simply what the New Testament teaches one must do to be saved. Um, we need to know that answer. We need to obey that answer. And we need to share that answer with other people. All right. And uh, that's uh, what we want to talk about tonight. The, the, the scriptures, you know, it's surprising that something as clear as, uh, as this in the scriptures is so disputed and you can get so many different answers uh you would think as you, you would think based upon what you're seeing in the religious world out there money that um you have so many different answers to the question that it must be very complicated when you go to the scriptures to find out what the scriptures teach on the subject of what must i do to be saved and yet we see just the opposite of that in the scriptures that it's a very simple answer and a simple topic when we go to the scriptures you know if we read through the new testament and we take we have to be saved. It's really a simple plan. There's nothing complicated about it, and, and it's and it's easy to do. It's not like we've got to climb Mount Everest or something to do it. It's something that's easy to do. We can do basically anywhere. All right. Um, we put out some questions to our update list earlier today, and we may have some new viewers today who are not familiar with our update list. Usually about uh, 11 o'clock Central Time on Thursday morning or at least before noon on Thursday, we try to send out an email to people on our email list talking about what our topic for discussion is going to be on that night. Uh, and if, you're, if you'd like to get those emails from us, well, we'd be glad to send them to you. And you can get on our email list if you're not already by simply sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Remember the funny spelling of College View. C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E on the end of College View. College View. Just send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And you can just put in the subject line or in the text anywhere. Just say, add me to your list, and we'll do that, and you'll get our updates. To our update list earlier today, we sent out the simple questions. Um, what are some of the faulty reasonings that people use to assume that they are in a saved condition? Mm-hmm. Um, number two, what is the real New Testament plan of salvation? And number three, then, we ask the question about people 
who are, are to be baptized. Who should be baptized? When should they be baptized? Why should they be baptized? How should they be baptized? Okay. And so we're going to spend a little extra time at the end of our discussion tonight talking about baptism, which unfortunately is, is the big controversial part of, um, of the plan of salvation, I think most people probably go along with a lot of what we would say leading up to baptism, but then they want to come to argue about the necessity of baptism. All right, let's uh, get into that tonight. Then lots of faulty places to get uh, our um, answers for what we must do uh, to be saved. A lot of faulty uh, reasons behind uh, people's thinking on the fact uh, determining whether or not they are saved. Um, and that, that goes along with what we talked about in our authority discussion last week. The, there really are lots of areas where you can get tripped up in this, in this discussion. Yeah. I think that maybe the, the most common mistake people make is that they assume that they're saved because they're just basically a pretty good person, you know. And it's not easy, it's not hard rather to look around and find lots of people in our society who are a lot worse, you know. Yeah, right. And, you know, I'm, I'm a basically pretty good person. I, I live a decent moral life, uh, you know. I pay my taxes and I don't beat my wife and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a decent guy and surely God will save me just on the basis of the fact that I'm just a pretty good person. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if anybody would stop to think about that seriously at all, any any atheist might make the same arguments, you know. Uh, we, we know some atheists who are really pretty decent people. I mean, as far as good citizens and, and decent no com- community people, uh, they live good lives. They're, they're really kind-hearted, but they don't even believe in God. And no. so if just being a good moral person is all it takes... Uh, then you'd have to say you'd have to argue that even an atheist could be be saved, but the and Bible doesn't. They wouldn't teach argue that. with you on basic fundamental moral issues right. uh, on the way you treat your neighbor and the way you you live your life. There are many atheists who would live very moral lives, but uh, the scriptures obviously would tell yeah. us that they're not, not that safe. long ago. You and I, Jacob, had an opportunity to study with a, a guy who's really a super nice guy. He's an atheist, uh, and he, he was glad to discuss moral issues with us at length. Hey, yeah, he and he lives—he lives a good moral life. He was concerned about his neighbor. He was, yeah. he was doing things uh, to, to help his fellow man. So uh, certainly, there's something other than just a good moral life that's required. Yeah, in fact, in the Bible, we have the example of what I think is probably a very good moral man who was not saved. And I'm thinking especially here, and many of our listeners might already know where I'm headed. I'm thinking of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 2, Cornelius is described as a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And I tell you, that's an, an excellent description of a fine moral man. But interestingly, uh, an angel appeared to him. Uh, and the angel said to him, send uh, to Joppa, call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And the word ought there means what you must do. In fact, it, it's even conveyed that way when the story is retold in Acts chapter 11, verse 14. He shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. They weren't saved. He was a great guy. He was a very decent moral man. He was not saved. And I think that's just proof positive from the Bible itself that just living a good moral life won't get the job done. He was a good man morally. He was a religious man. He believed in God. He believed in Jehovah God. And uh, yet he was not saved. Certainly it uh, is takes more than just that. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. So uh, a lot of people, I think, make that mistake. Just, I'm going to live a moral life. Other people make a mistake, I think, by just trusting their feelings on this. You know, yeah. I know how I feel. I feel like God is happy with me. I feel like I'm in a right relationship. My feelings tell me that everything is okay. And a lot of people, I mean, a whole lot of people really trust in their feelings on their salvation. You know, they wouldn't do that with other things. You know, uh, I've been able to save up a little nest egg. I've got $3,000 saved, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to I'm going to entrust it to this guy that I met yesterday over at the gas station across the street because he told me he would take care of it. And 
and maybe invest it and make me a you know a little money on it. I just met him yesterday. But I just feel like he's he's a good guy. I just feel like he's a really decent. I'm going to give him my my three thousand dollar nest egg. Right. Nobody would do that. Nobody. Yeah. You wouldn't trust your feelings about that guy. You'd want some verification. Uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna put your money where it's guaranteed to be safe. Yep. Well. Your soul's way more precious than that. You can't trust it to feelings. All right. We're going to get a break. When we get back, we'll talk some more about this. You know what? I think another one is uh, th- this idea of living a morally good life. A lot of folks say, well, you know, if there is a God, I just want to make sure that he's not mad at me. Yeah. You know, I just want to live that good life. I want to, I want to make sure I don't think, do anything to make God mad. And I just, I just want to, if, if there is a God, then as long as I don't just, if I'm not too far out there and he's not real yeah. Uh, certainly lots of folks are thinking that way these days, and that's not going to get the job done. What do you think? What about if you're religious? What if you even are a church-going uh, so-called Christian? Is that what it takes to be saved? We'll get to your comments. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this break. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about and hand clapping, our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People who have no charity for the faults of others are generally blind to their own. One of the most difficult things to give away is kindness, for it usually is returned. Christianity is often judged by what others see of it in you. He does not rise high who does not know how to kneel. Man, wish I had said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we try out a little bit new software here. And I'm going to change my story here. Uh, I said Monty would be white-knuckling it. I think we're white-knuckling it now. Monty just admitted he doesn't know what he's doing over there. so It's, uh, it's not but, unusual. Well, it's not. But uh, hopefully we're going to be all right. And um, Yeah, you can uh, certainly send us in an email or uh, put, put a note either in Facebook or in the chat room and let us know how it looks on your end and how, how we're getting out. All right. Uh, your, uh, is your chat room not working? It is uh, working. Uh, vague, barely here. Philip is in West Virginia yeah, tonight. Yeah. He says the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was not saved on the road to Damascus. He was told to go to the city to be told what to do. Uh, so which was, why tarriest thou? Uh, arise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, Acts uh, 22, verse 16. You know, that's interesting. What, what a person needs to do to be saved is not just live a morally good life doesn't need to see a vision. Seeing a vision doesn't save you. Yeah. And seeing the Lord himself doesn't save you. If the, if you were in, you know, alone in your bedroom tonight and you saw the Lord himself, that wouldn't make you saved. Uh, it didn't work for Paul. Yeah, I think that's a good point that uh you know, uh it, wouldn't you think that the uh Apostle Paul would have had basis for a really strong feeling when he had the Lord himself had appeared to him. Yeah. It, it wasn't enough. Cornelius, he was a good man, and an angel appeared to him. Not enough. Not enough. So, you know, trust in a feeling is, is not going to get the job done. But you know what? Uh, and, and this probably will get some people maybe a little concerned. Just attending any old church won't get the job done either because uh, in First John 4, 
verse 1, we're warned that they're false teachers and that we're supposed right. to try those false teachers. Jesus warned in Matthew 15, verse 9, that some worship is in vain, good for nothing. So, you know, just because you're going to some church somewhere and worshiping somewhere, uh, understand that Jesus himself said that that worship might be in vain or good for nothing. Uh Jesus said there's actually a straight and narrow way that leads to life eternal. And, and so straight and narrow suggests it's, it's something we gotta search out and find and, and make sure we're in the right path. And just because you're in a path doesn't mean that you're saved. You know, a lot of people say, well, if I do something, that will be okay. Well, no, there is a one path that is right and the other path is wrong. And so, uh, certainly it is important that we understand the truth and that we follow it in our lives. Okay. Um, Got a couple emails in, Jacob. Uh, one was from Anthony here in Columbia who says probably the most common reason people assume they are saved is because they've asked Jesus into their heart or maybe have said the sinner's prayer. Or perhaps people assume that if they do enough good deeds to outweigh their bad deeds, they are okay. Others have a feeling or hear a voice that convinces them they are saved. Yeah. I think all of those are mistaken ways people use to try and assume they're in a right relationship. You know, it's interesting, this idea of asking Jesus into your heart or saying the sinner's prayer. As we go back to our lessons, uh, our discussions from the previous two weeks about having a Bible authority for all that we do, that's something that is completely missing, even remotely, uh, even not even remotely touched upon in the New Testament, is this idea of asking Jesus into your heart. Or saying the sinner's prayer, Monty, you would think, again, as, as often as you hear that, that that would be something you'd find very frequently mentioned in the New Testament. We don't find any reference to it in the New Testament, uh, anywhere near to that concept of asking Jesus into your heart or saying the sinner's prayer. Yeah, as often as we hear that, you would think it was at least on every other page of the New Testament, if not every page. Yeah. And uh, on my phone recently, I found out I can listen to the Bible during my day at work, so in the last week, I, last week I listened to the whole New Testament, and that wasn't in there a single time. Or, you know, if it was in as often as it, you would think it is, you'd think even in delirium I'd have heard it once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. We got another email from Kent in Georgia, who says there are many faulty methods of reasoning that people use to assume they're in a right or safe condition. Subjective feeling—that's the idea of a, you know just how I feel, not not objective. Uh, you know, thought, but subjective thought. Subjective would be how I feel about it. Yep. Emotionalism, using a false hermeneutic. Whoa, now, there's a no. Bible word. That's not a Bible word, but that's a that's a word that relates almost exclusively to religious discussions. Hermeneutics yep. means your your method of interpretation, mm-hmm. and a, a false hermeneutic would be a false method of interpretation. Uh, uh, the Bible says we're saved by faith, but some then want to jump to a conclusion that it's faith only. That'd be a false hermeneutic. That's what Kent's talking about. Yeah. Elevating preachers over the Bible. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, my preacher told me yeah, this. I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go against yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, loving family and friends over God and the truth. You know, some people don't want to even be open to any consideration other than what mom and dad or grandma and right. grandpa believed before. Right. Right. And, you know, you might trust your family uh, to the loss of your soul if you're not willing to investigate that for yourself that's right and then he said some would just have pride and arrogance thinking too highly of their own thoughts and and uh, uh we must reason correctly from the scriptures it is the new testament that's our only standard okay. of authority very right. good kent thank you kent for those comments tonight all, all right, right. So, so in the chat room again get to our website the virtualbiblestudy.com if you're not already there and uh, sign in the chat room if you want to comment with other listeners tonight yeah all right, so let's let's dive into what is the real New Testament plan of salvation. Um, it's really straightforward, and you know, I, I think we need to, as I said earlier, Jacob, I, I really believe that as Christians, we need to know what is the plan of salvation. We need to make sure we obeyed what is the plan of salvation, and then we need to share that information with other people. I, something that I did not emphasize in the questions that I sent out, and Kent, uh, uh, I think, made a, a, a really good observation. He says, when you think about the plan of salvation, there's really two parts to it. There's the part that God accomplished for us in providing a scheme of redemption. So when we talk about the plan of salvation, uh, for our emphasis tonight, we're going to be talking about what we need to do in, in answer to that famous question, what must I do to be saved? Right. But we must never overlook, as Kent correctly points out, we must never overlook that God did 
uh, an amazing thing in even making salvation possible for us. Right. Uh, he had an eternal plan in mind, and really we see it unfolding throughout the pages of the Bible, coming to fruition, really, when Jesus came to earth. And it is uh, <laughs> something we see throughout uh, throughout the Bible, this this plan, uh, not fully revealed into the New Testament, uh, not uh, fully explained even to those who were in the process of revealing it. The prophets didn't even understand what they were talking about, but it is certainly uh, beginning uh, with the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, all the way through the scriptures. We see this plan of God, which God would later tell us was in his mind before the foundation of the world. Yeah, exactly right. All right. So, uh, not to discount at all, and I think Kent does a, an important service in reminding us that, you know, God, God had a, 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 the absolute necessary part in this. We, it wouldn't matter what we did if he hadn't done what he did for right. us. But now, based on the fact that he has done that, what must we do? All right. Well, the first thing is we've got to we've got to come by the information. We've got to learn and hear the truth. Um, in Romans chapter one verse sixteen, the apostle Paul said, "The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation." You want to be saved? The power to achieve that comes through the gospel. The gospel is key. If you've never heard the truth, if you've never studied the truth, if you've never searched out the truth, then you've not availed yourself of the information that you've got to have in order to be saved. Romans ten seventeen faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God, um, so we've got to we've got to hear the truth uh, we've got to be exposed to the message, uh, but just hearing it's not enough. Uh, James in chapter James chapter one verse twenty two, uh, James spoke of some who would be hearers only he says be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving your own selves. So yes, you got to be exposed to this truth, but and and that's really the only way that you can come by saving faith is to be exposed to the truth of, the, of God's word. But there's the, the the great danger of people who will hear it but not do anything. Uh, and and that's and, and James even suggests that some may deceive themselves. I think we've known people, Jacob, through the years who maybe were quite versed in the Bible and knew it well, but they, they, they just don't obey it. Don't apply it. Right. And it doesn't do any good. All right. All right. So certainly you've got to hear it. You can't hear without, uh, you can't believe or without hearing. So you've got to hear, but just hearing is not enough. Then, then you've got to have that. You've got to believe what you've heard. Right. Yep. If, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews 11, verse 6, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so if I just hear the truth, and yeah, that's the truth, but if I don't believe it, I don't have faith in it, it doesn't do Back to that person who says, you know, if there is a God, I don't want to be on his bad side. I'll just, maybe I'll even be religious just in case. Not going to cut it. Unless you have faith uh, in the, the truths that you've heard, uh, God says he's not going to be pleased with you, even if you may be just going through the motions. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you can't do these things just in case. Exactly right. Uh, Jesus said in, in John eight twenty four, 24, uh, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Yeah. So you got to believe. We've got to believe. But, so you got to hear. Hearing, but hearing by itself is not enough. You've got to believe, but believing by itself is not enough. Before we get to our uh, half-hour break, Jacob, uh, I think we should point out, because this is a, uh, a point of real controversy in the religious world, is w- would it be enough then to hear the truth and believe and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Well, a lot of people will will accept that. And, right. and unfortunately, many people are teaching that. But the New Testament says otherwise in, John, in James chapter two verse twenty. You shall uh, it says, will, "Will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead?" Uh, it also says in verse twenty four. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. We've often pointed out the only place in the New Testament where faith and only are found together. Faith only, and the only verse that has it that way says it's not by faith only. James went on in verse 26 of chapter 2 to say, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So the first couple of things we got to do. What must I do to be saved? you got to hear. 
You got to believe, but those things by themselves won't be enough. All right. So, what does it take? Uh, we'll look at that uh, some more as we get to the other side of the break. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your comments. Hopefully, on the other side. Uh, don't go anywhere. The verse of Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 931-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome in my name is cole and i'm eight years old my name is thomas and i'm seven years old and our families love to listen to the virtual bible study And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, what it takes to be saved. We want to look to the scriptures for that, and that's what we're doing on the virtual Bible study. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website. It is thevirtualbiblestudy.com where you can find information about the College View Church of Christ, where we meet, the times of our meetings, and uh, what we believe and practice. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking again about the plan of salvation, God's intended uh, plan response, for our life. Our response to yeah. His grace that He's presented to us. You know, uh, I, I want to remind you, what we're doing is basically previewing a lesson that's going to be discussed in small groups next Monday night in our neighborhood Bible studies here in Columbia. So we want to remind anybody who's in the Columbia area, if you're able to join us for a neighbor, a small group neighborhood Bible study, uh, give us a call at our phone number, 877-381-4567, and we'll be glad to put you in touch with the group closest to you for a, a Bible study next Monday night at 7 p.m. All right. Uh, as we talk about this idea of the uh, plan of salvation, Anthony says, in a sense, God of, God's plan of salvation was to send his son to die and rise again to the atonement for man's sin. I sometimes worry that using the term plan of salvation to describe what one must do to be saved can be interpreted as a man-made formula. Of course, the five steps are sound and true, but could there be a different way to present this that's more natural? Not sure. Well, certainly we want to be careful of that. Well, you know, plan of salvation is our is our phrase. That's our lingo. You couldn't find that phrase uh, in the New Testament uh, anywhere. So maybe Anthony's got a point. Maybe the simplest way to describe it is it, it's the answer to the question, yeah. what must I do to be saved? That's certainly a biblical question. And what we're suggesting is the answer to that question is described in the New Testament. All right. To the discussion, we talked about hearing the gospel. You can't believe if you don't hear. We talked about faith. You've got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But both of those, the scriptures expressly state are not sufficient uh, for us to be saved. Along those lines, guess 3533 in the chat room references Matthew 12, verse 37. Jesus said, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So certainly, it's more than just hearing. It's more than just believing. Jesus says the way you use your mouth will cause you to be saved or be lost. And, and you know, I think what's interesting is the, the, the people who would, argue for faith-only salvation, would also accept the idea that your your words could cause you to be justified or lost. Yeah. Well, then that's something in addition to faith. If it's it, and, and so it wouldn't really be faith-only, right? If, if what you say can affect your salvation, then faith-only wouldn't be the real true doctrine. Our, our words will justify us. Jesus says that, and uh, yet those in, uh, who are so committed to this idea of faith only want to say that we're justified by faith only uh that uh that it's um that there's nothing that we must do to be saved there's nothing that we can do to be saved uh that it's all on god but certainly it is not um 
there are responses to uh, that we have to the gospel, as our listener has pointed out. Exactly right. All right. All right. Um, so what do we get? We got to hear. We got to believe. What else we got to do? We got to repent. Very simply, Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise uh, perish. Um, Repentance, I think, is probably the hardest part of what we're required to do. Repentance means not only just being sorry for sin. uh, There is uh, that element to repentance. But that that sorrow for sin must lead us to a change in life. Yes. Uh, yep. uh, our, our lives. Jesus even used an expression in Matthew chapter three verse eight that we should show fruits of repentance. In other words, we ought to demonstrate a change because we have this godly sorrow for our sin. So. Godly sorrow that leads to a changed life is really what repentance is. Well, that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. It's more than just being sorrow. It's that repentance that turns you and leads you to salvation. Now, a lot of people are willing to accept maybe even repentance uh, uh, when they talk about this idea of what you need to do to be saved. Oh, well, yeah, you've obviously got to repent. You can't just keep on being uh, you know, an adulterer and uh, uh, thief. You've got to change. You've got to repent. Well, that's something more than just faith. But nevertheless, we'll accept that. Yes, you do have to do more than just believe. You've got to repent. Exactly right. Okay. Now, you know, Jacob, the passage you just read says godly sorrow leading to repentance. We're not going to repent of something that we don't believe in yet. So belief would have to, be, hearing and believing has to come before repentance. Yeah. And it says even that that we're not. We haven't achieved salvation. If we haven't repented yet, this says this godly sorrow is leading to repentance. So we still haven't got there yet, even though we may believe. It tells us we've got to repent. First. Okay. So. All right. Good comments. All right. Um, uh, <clears throat> here, believe, repent. The next. I don't think people would argue about this next thing that we want to mention either, Jacob, and that is that we have to confess our faith in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said as much. He said if we would uh, not confess him before men, he would deny us uh, before his father. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 32, Jesus says that very clearly. It's hard to, uh, to, to argue with Jesus here. Therefore, who, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my father who is in heaven. Jesus says if you're not willing to confess him, He's going to deny you. Yeah. In Romans 10, verse 10, Paul said, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right. So with our mouth we confess, leading towards salvation. So I've got to be willing to confess my faith in Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. And again, I don't think people, very many people who are familiar with the New Testament who who are believers in Jesus Christ would argue about the necessity to confess him to verbally confess our faith in jesus well of course not. i mean it'd be i'd be arguing against christ there if i said i don't have to confess I, jesus said and if you don't confess me before men i won't confess you before my father well if i said no you don't have to confess all you have to do is believe then i'd be arguing against jesus not many people are willing uh to do that exactly right okay uh all right now um that leads us to the controversial point mm-hmm you got to hear the truth. you got to believe the truth. you got to repent of your sins. you got to confess your faith in Jesus. Really? Not a lot of argument on those things in the religious world. There are some who would, but There's not some, many. Some, some, yeah. But here's the real bone of contention, and that is baptized, to be baptized. And we believe that the Scriptures teach that baptism is essential for salvation. You're not saved. All those points are necessary, but... Without being baptized, those other things will not accomplish the, the purpose. Baptism is not the only thing. It's not the most important thing. It's not the be-all and end-all. But it is a necessary part of, of the uh, that Christ put uh, upon being saved. In Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus himself said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, it's interesting. We talked about, well, you've got to believe in Jesus. Jesus said in his own words, unless you believe that he's him, that he is uh, God's son, you'll die in your sins. He said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. So I'm not going to argue with those two things. Jesus said that. I'd be foolish to argue against Jesus. He said, I have to confess him. Well, again, I'd be very foolish to argue that I shouldn't do that. Well, Jesus told me I should do that. The same is true for baptism in Jesus' own words. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 
Jesus told, tells me here that I've got to be baptized in order to be pleasing to him, to be saved. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we often refer to Acts 2, verse 38. It's so plain, it's so straightforward. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, the very first day that the gospel of Christ was preached following his ascension to heaven, the apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they preached to the assembled crowd in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And when those people in Jerusalem were touched with the message of the gospel, uh, they also asked the, the, the very similar question of what uh, we were describing earlier in Acts chapter 2 at verse 37. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They had just been convicted in their hearts of the fact that they had crucified the very Son of God. And they said, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so I would argue they already believed in the very fact that they asked the question, yeah. What shall we do? They were pricked in their heart. They, they were convicted. They were convicted, and they were told they needed to repent and be baptized. Now, <clears throat> notice, repent and be baptized. Those, those two conditions are linked there. And anybody who wants to argue that you have to repent in order to be saved has to accept logically has to accept that be baptized would be necessary too. And let's work this backwards as well. A lot of people say, well, they were baptized because they were already saved. Well, if that's the case, then they also were to repent because they were already saved. doesn't work. But Luke 13.3 says, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. So repentance is before salvation in Luke 13, verse 3. It has to be before 38, and then therefore by the conjunction and, baptism is before salvation. It's not, the result, it's not because you're already saved. Exactly right. First Peter three twenty one. There's just a lot of verses we could reference. First Peter three verse twenty one says the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Yeah. Baptism saves us. I don't know. It's just very plain. I, people would like to argue against it, but the necessity of baptism seems very plain. We want to talk Again. a little more thoroughly about that in our last section segment, but it's just r- real plain. Again, to argue against that is to argue against Jesus' very words in, Mar- in Mark 16, verse 16, and other passages. Jesus expressly states uh, that we must be baptized in order to be saved. You know, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Notice, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We are baptized into Christ. All right. All right. So what must I do to be saved? Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. When I'm baptized, I'm baptized into Christ. I'm in this relationship. But I've got the, the, the sort of the final step is that I got to stay in that relationship. I got to stay faithful Revelation 2, verse 10, be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Just because I started, just because I have obeyed the gospel, and I've been baptized into Christ, and I'm in this relationship with the Lord, doesn't mean that that's irrevocable. I could I could so act as to sin and be lost. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 4 says that one can fall from grace. Yeah. Uh, and, and in a very graphic passage, we probably don't have time to read it, Jacob, but in a very graphic passage in Second Peter 2, uh, Peter describes some who would go back to their former way of life, and he talked about them being like a, a dog returning to its own vomit again, a sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. We can, we can step away from what we committed ourselves to and be lost again. All right, so a lot of people have an objection to this idea that we've got to be obedient in order to be saved that there's anything that is required on our part then they throw the red flag and say no you're in violation you're you're somehow committing some kind of egregious uh, sin against God's grace if you say that you've got to respond in some way and be obedient yet the scriptures tell us over and over again we've got to repent we've got to confess we've got to be baptized those are things the scriptures clearly teach in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, And though he was a son, yet he learned through obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9 of Hebrews 5, And be, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus saves those who are obedient. He didn't say there that he became the author of eternal salvation to all who have faith in him. No, he became eternal author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We've got to obey Jesus 
if we uh, want to be saved. It's as clear as that. We're going to get our break, and then we'll get your comments. Uh, I, I fumbled uh, during the last break on that bullet point, so we're going to try that again uh, this break and get this week's bullet point. And uh, we've got some trends to follow that as well. It's going to be a, it's going to be an action-packed break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about baptism. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Paul told Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. It has been suggested that this phrase literally means to preach when folks like it and when they don't. In another place, the apostles prayed for boldness in their preaching, Acts 4, verse 29. So preachers are to boldly proclaim a message that will sometimes be unpopular. In the process of doing this work, a preacher is in a precarious situation. This boldness may cause his hearers to think that he is overconfident. Some may imagine that he is closed-minded. There may be the impression that he is not open to other points of view or that he wants to stifle what others have to say. Sadly, in some cases and with some preachers, these accusations may be true. However, no preacher who's worth his salt wants to discourage open discussion of issues. And while he may speak forcefully on a given topic, he acknowledges his own limitations and the possibility that he can err in understanding the scriptures. If he is obedient to the word, he knows that he, like all others, must continue to, quote, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3, verse 18. In this age of political correctness, it has become increasingly unpopular to tell people that they are wrong about anything. But, of course, that is a significant part of what preachers do. Those who are doing their best to, quote, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, will inevitably touch upon some areas that are close to home. When this happens, we urge you to seriously consider what has been said, honestly examine yourself to see if you need to apply the lesson, be willing to rethink your previous position, and finally, do not hesitate to share your thoughts and concerns with the preacher. If he's the kind of man he ought to be, he will gladly discuss any issue with you. Give him the chance to do so. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent global study conducted by Kapersky Lab reveals that social media users are interacting less face-to-face than in the past because of this newfound ability to constantly communicate and stay in touch online. In the study, researchers found that about one-third of people communicate less with their parents, 31%, partners, 23%, children, 33%, and friends, 35%, because they can simply follow them on social media. That information is via studyfinds.org. The Word of God says in Romans 12, beginning verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cleave to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program talking about the, what we must do in order to be saved. Are you tired? You were talking a lot during that break. I had, we had <laughs> oh, Jenny in there. My voice. Yeah, about to my voice. All right. Baptism. Let's, go, important let's, to talk about. let's talk a little bit more about this baptism thing. We asked the questions, who should be baptized, when should they be baptized, why should they be baptized, and how should they be baptized. Uh, uh, Anthony uh, sent an email said, when, immediately, as soon as one understands their predicament and has come to a belief in the truth. Why? Because God has plainly commanded it and so that they can have the remission of sins, Act 238. How? By total immersion in water. There's just way too much scriptural proof for immersion, starting with the word itself, to what the word itself means, to many examples, to the symbolism of burial and resurrection, and the type-antitype relationship to the flood. All Very right. good, Anthony. Thank you for that, Anthony. Yeah, I like that uh, that uh, type-antitype relationship there to the flood. And then Kent in Georgia says, only accountable individuals who have believed the gospel profess Christ are qualified to be baptized. Notice the scriptures listed in number two that he supplied when he mentioned those uh, those things that the scriptures call out. He says, as soon as an accountable person learns of the gospel and believes such, he references Acts 22:16, where Ananias told Paul, "Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins." So we don't follow tarry. the same example. Just as soon, yeah. Paul, don't tarry. Uh, and he says the design of baptism is stated in varying ways in the New Testament. In summary, to receive remission of past alien sins. This is, is why we are baptized, yeah. yeah. And to be added in, to the one New Testament church. He again references the scriptures mentioned uh, previously. Uh, the term baptize is transliterated from the New Testament Greek word, which means to immerse. 
such as necessitated in passages such as Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. That's an interesting passage there, talking about being buried. Buried in baptism, exactly. Uh, and New Testament baptism is the immersion of a penitent believer in Christ in the name or by the authority of Christ as revealed in the New Testament into the name or into the relationship with uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for or unto the remission of past alien sins and into the Lord's one true church, such as to be admitted, administered in the element of water, Acts 8, verse 38. Philip and the eunuch, they went down into the water. All right. So I think both those guys are right on the mark. Thank you, Kent. Thank you, Anthony, for your emails. <clears throat> let's, just, let's just go through that one more time. Who should be baptized? It's got to be a believer. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now think about that for a minute. What would that do to the denominational practice of infant baptism? Yeah. Well, an infant, even if they needed to be baptized, of course, this, this is an argument. There's another argument, a whole other argument about the idea of inherited sin. And we've talked about that before in the virtual Bible study, but we don't think infants inherited, inherit sins. But even if they did... I don't think they do, but if they did, they couldn't obey this command. You have to believe and be baptized. Infants can't hear the truth in the sense of comprehending the truth, and they can't believe. And so, you know, this very argument, I think, would clearly destroy the concept of infant baptism. It's not biblical. Right. It wasn't practiced in New Testament times, and it wouldn't even fit the teaching of the scripture. So who should be baptized? Those who have believed. Now, all through the New Testament, from the day of Pentecost and on, there's not a single example of of an accountable person uh, who was ever saved without being baptized. You have to believe and be baptized, Mark 16, 16. All right. So uh, accountable people, everybody who's capable of learning their condition, they should be baptized. They should be baptized uh, after they have been taught. Uh, and when Jesus sent the apostles out in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, uh, he, he commissioned them to go out and teach. Notice they, they had to do teaching first. And then after those, had, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You have to be taught before you can be baptized. So baptizing someone before they've been properly taught isn't biblical either. Right. Uh, if all you had to do is get wet, we could forcibly baptize people, but it, it won't work because they have to be taught first. And after they've been taught and when they've established faith, uh, then they should be baptized. That's the pattern we see in baptism throughout the scriptures is it came after they had been taught, after they believed. Uh, it was not before that. In fact, also, they were baptized after they confessed Jesus. We see that in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, verse 38. And repentance would have to precede baptism. If you're not willing to repent, being baptized won't help. You have to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Let's say that I'm I'm just a real bad thief. I'm just constantly thieving. In fact, I I make my living by being a thief. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to quit that. I'm not no. willing to give that up. Well, if I'm not willing to repent, then being ba- I'm not ready to be baptized. I've got to re- I've got yep. to yep. believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Baptism would follow those other necessary prerequisites. Uh, so baptism would come after a person has believed confessed and repented. All right, so that's important and and Ken alluded to this in his email, but baptism comes after Hearing, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It comes after believing in, he, in Acts chapter 18, verse 8. It comes after confession, Acts 8, 35 through 38. And after repentance in Acts 2, 38. So these things are prerequisites. It's not just, that's not your made up formula. That's not your made up condition. That's what the scriptures teach. It comes after the things that we've mentioned here as being required for salvation. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about what's the purpose of baptism. Real quick, we're almost out of time. We've got to fly through this. Why should I be baptized? Well, first of all, simply because God commanded it. Acts 2.38 is a command. Uh, we wouldn't have to argue any more than that. If God said do it, do it. Yeah. Acts 2.38 is a command. Yeah. So we need to be baptized because it's Jesus a command. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who are obedient to obey him. So we've got to obey. 
All right. But we know that baptism is for or unto the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Baptism saves us, 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism is the point at which our sins are washed away, Acts 22.16. Baptism is when we are placed into Christ, Galatians 3.27. Being, by being baptized, we are added by the Lord to his church. Certainly our motive of heart is important. Romans 6 verse 17 says, obedience must come from the heart. So for all those reasons, we ought to be baptized. We ought not just be baptized to be baptized. We got to know in our heart why we're being baptized and be doing, having the right motive is very critical. Okay. All right. And then what about how? How should we be baptized? Kent uh, mentioned this in his email. The Greek word for baptize is baptizo. It means to dip, emerge, submerge. Anthony mentioned in his email, one of the strong arguments is just what the word itself means. And, you know, there's not a scholar in the world who would argue against the literal meaning of the Greek word baptizo. It means to dip, plunge, or immerse. And everybody agrees to that. When they translated the Greek New Testament into our English language, they made a new word. They, 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 they brought the Greek word into the English language and made the word baptize. And you can see it's direct link to the Greek word from which it comes. We, it, and it means the same thing. We don't need any Greek lexicons, though, to understand this because Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. It tells us here that baptism is a yeah. burial. There's a bunch more arguments there, and we're just about out of time. But, you know, uh, the case of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, verses 38 and 39, it says they went down both into the water. Philip baptized him. They came up out of the water. I mean, make that picture in your mind. It's clearly a picture of immersion. Total waste of time uh, if it was just sprinkling. Yeah. Use the canteen uh, that you got in the chariot there, buddy. Uh, in John, chapter- chariots, uh, canteens have chariots, don't they, Monty? Uh, if I had a chariot, I'd hope I had you a canteen. You need a canteen. It, it should be a hot, dusty draft. Yeah. Uh, an interesting argument about John. John the Baptist was a baptizer, and he was baptizing yeah. people in the Jordan River. Jesus went there to be baptized by him, and it says in in John, excuse me, Matthew three. Uh, verse 16, that when Jesus was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water. John had baptized. In fact, John 3.23 says that John was baptizing at a certain spot at Enon near to Salem because there was much water there. Uh, apparently, the Jordan River is not always deep enough to be baptizing, but at a certain pool of water near Enon, uh, Enon near to Salem, John was baptizing there because he had enough water to baptize. All these are just crazy many arguments that prove that New Testament baptism is by immersion. Not a hard argument to make there that it has to be immersion. And what would that do? That would destroy the common practice of sprinkling for baptism. Sure. Sprinkling sprinkling. Baptism. New Testament baptism is immersion. Again, we want to be obedient, so we're going to obey the instruction. The instruction is to be immersed in water. For baptism. All right. Uh, well, a good discussion tonight. Monty, any comments? Well, it's a good discussion. We've, it's clear that the Bible teaches that, that what, we ref, what we refer to as a plan of salvation and, you know, to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and then live faithful. And if we'll do that, then we can receive that crown of life that's been promised to us. All right. All right. So this is our Bible study. This is going to be our neighborhood Bible study next Monday night. It's the third and final of our our winter neighborhood Bible studies here in Columbia, Tennessee. And if you live anywhere close and would like to join in a neighborhood Bible study, small group Bible study, next Monday night at seven o'clock, contact us at our at our uh, phone number three eight one four five six seven. And we'll put you in touch with a group closest to you, and you'd be more than welcome to join in the discussion. All right. And if you'd like a copy of this material, maybe you'd like to study it in your neighborhood. We can send it to you by email, or we can send it to you by uh, snail mail. Just let us know. Let us know. We'd be happy to provide you with that. And uh, that then opens up the discussion next week for perhaps your suggestion on topics. Uh, So we would like those. Send them to questions at collegeview.com. Maybe you have a question or comment about something you heard. Maybe you disagree. And you'd like to come on and discuss it with us, or maybe your preacher would, we would welcome that. Uh, look at our archives for, uh, instances where we've talked with those we disagree with, and you'll note that it is a, a kind 
uh, discussion, just a Bible study, uh, where we're not trying to win an argument. We're just trying to learn what the scriptures teach. And so uh, check out that in our archives. And if you'd be willing to come on, we'd welcome that. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Yeah, and and uh, for those of you, especially those of you who have been longtime viewers of the Virtual Bible Study, send us a uh, uh, a little feedback on our, our new broadcasting methods and, and let us know if they're working good for you. All right. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet,